I'd like to welcome everyone today on the second edition of the Positive Outlooks podcast. For those that don't know me, I'm Emma Ward, a life coach and counsellor who services the York Peninsula and Adelaide. To give you background behind my thoughts of starting this podcast, on a daily basis within my clinic, I'm in awe of the inspirational stories that I hear from my clients. It's rare for a day to pass where I don't leave work inspired by the stories of pure strength and resilience shown by so many of my clients to conquer such horrific heartaches and tough times. I feel blessed and lucky to have so many people who have trusted me with their precious stories of resilience. Over time, I have started to believe that some of these stories are genuinely too inspirational and moving to just stay within my four clinic walls and for my ears only. By starting this podcast, I'm passionate about sharing some of these moving stories of resilience with a greater audience to help inspire and help others who are going through similar journeys or hardships. And just as a genuine inspirational message to remind us all to keep strong in the hard times and to know that in many of these times there is or will be a light at the end of the tunnel. As I grew up on the York Peninsula and loved working in the area with my business, it became clear that I wanted to share our own local York Peninsula stories of resilience and strength within this podcast. It appeared to be synchronistic to have this amazing lady sitting next to me today. After my recording with Leah Harvey, I started to think about who to feature in my podcast episode or the next one. The synchronicity started immediately as Leah Harvey and I had a cup of coffee in this lady's beautiful cafe in Canina, Cracked Pepper, and then continued days later when this lady posted a Facebook post that popped up in my newsfeed explaining her gratitude at being asked to speak at the Copper Coast Mothers' Union. Her post said she loves to share her cancer story to help others, to help motivate others to live their best life. At this point, I knew she had to be the second guest, and today we're welcoming Janine Mercer to the York's Resilience Podcast. How are you, Janine? I'm well, thank you, Emma, and thank you so much for having me here today. I feel very honoured. For those that don't know Janine, I'd like to give you a snapshot of Janine Mercer. Janine is a local entrepreneur with a journey starting as a home hairdresser called Classic Cuts that initially ran from her home before she branched into creating the popular and well-known shortcuts in the main street of Kadena, employing many staff. After selling shortcuts, Janine created the popular, well-known Cracked Pepper Cafe, which today continues to hire many staff members. Janine has been a member of Relay for Life since 2002 and joined after her dad died of bowel cancer. Janine spent one year as a member on the committee of Relay for Life before she became the chair manager until 2016. In 2015, Janine was diagnosed with breast cancer and as a result took a back step from her chair manager role but did continue to still be involved. Janine has coached sports aerobics while her daughters Amelia and Kiara were competing, which include helping to run the competitions in Adelaide. Janine's been involved for many years with the local softball club as a player and committee person. Janine also used to run easy slim weight loss group sessions before having her children and while they were babies. I love Janine Daughters Amelia's beautiful description of her mum with regards to resilience and why she's perfect for today's podcast. Mum is the most resilient person I have ever known. In the face of adversity, she smiled, took a breath and she kept going. No matter how hard things got or how difficult things have become since she went into remission, she hasn't given up. Persistence like that cannot be taught. Mum gives 110% of herself to everything she does. Whether that's helping others who are going through what she's been through, her family, her friends, her work, and more recently helping herself. The way she holds herself now is a credit to her. She makes my heart burst with pride. I love you, Mum. 
<laughs> wow, I wasn't expecting that to come out today, Emma. I had no idea that uh, she had put that in. Yeah, That's they gave amazing. me goosebumps when I read the, oh. read the descriptions. I was oh, like, they're so goodness. beautiful. Wow, that made me feel oh very <clears throat> off centre. <laughs> um, so let's start to get to know the real Janine Mercer. Janine, did you want to tell us more about where you learnt your entrepreneurial skills when it came to starting classic cuts, shortcuts, and crack pepper? Was this self guided or? Yes, it was self guided. I think um, I, I looked at that question and thought, wow. I don't really know where it started. I think I could see um, with the um, classic cuts in the beginning that there was a gap in our community for a lot of older people in the area that wanted to just go to a small salon. So I took the opportunity to um, build a little salon at home Yep. yep. Um, because what gives me joy is making other people happy, Yeah. obviously, yep. and I'm not the only one in the world. Um, <laughs> but that's what I wanted to do in the beginning. I wanted to simplify my life and sort of take control a little bit, yep. I guess. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just That just happened and I just sort of attracted people and then when it grew a little bit bigger and I decided to branch out into the main street um, to open an actual salon, it was quite funny because I remember taking my ironing board and my iron and I had a kettle, you know, and I thought, well, when I'm not doing customers, I'll be able to do the ironing and, you know, <laughs> so on. And, no, that didn't work. Because I was going to say, did any ironing get no, done? No, not one. Well, not one bit of ironing, no. Lots of dust all over the ironing board. And, no, my dear mum used to come and pick it up and take it home and oh, bring it back to me. So, no, the, the skills, I don't really know. My dad had a business, um, an electrical business, when I was, you know, going through school. But um, he wasn't the greatest of business men. <laughs> he would go and do um, some electrical jobs for people and he would come home with a bag of grapes, maybe some tomatoes, <laughs> some cucumbers, you know, because they couldn't really afford to pay. So, you know. Oh, bless. Yeah, so he, he wasn't the best businessman either. But I guess we, I learnt from him about doing what you love yeah. and giving what you can yeah. to other people. So I think in hairdressing, that was such a gift anyway. Yeah. As soon as I learnt uh, the joy that it brought people, I wanted to grow that, I guess, and share it with others. And some of the things I heard about shortcuts when you ran the shop as well, it sounded like it actually became a bit of a community. Yes. Like you actually brought people together yeah. and had that sense of belonging as well, which is a really special quality to bring about to a hairdressing salon i think um that's the thing um we we became a family as in the staff i I never looked at myself as being the boss i always um i work alongside of these people and i think that's a good way to be in life because i never wanted to be a boss yeah never ever wanted to be a boss and that's why i was happy working at classic cuts on my own but then when i went into shortcuts it just grew so fast that i had to um employ other people but yeah, I felt like one of the workers and yeah. I worked as hard as them and I never took anything for granted. Um, but I was also very um, grateful that the staff that I had were so caring as well. Yeah. They, yeah. I think you become who you work with sometimes, yeah, especially absolutely. if you like what you see and what you yeah. feel. So, yeah, yeah the, the customers would come for the camaraderie and yeah. they would come but, you know, we give little things away and it costs us not much, but it yeah. gives them the world. Yeah. So yeah. that's how I sort of think the business grew um, as quickly as it did. And I guess Cracked Pepper is now the same. Yeah. And I'm, how many staff were at Shortcuts when you sold, Janine? I had eight staff. Yeah. 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 Wow, and myself. So yeah. not all full time, but uh, during that journey, 
Um, I put on my first employee, uh, who was Lisa, and she um, came from Adelaide and she was there probably six months and said, we need an apprentice. And I was like, oh, I can't have an apprentice. I don't know how to do that. And she's like, (laughs) I'll help, I'll help. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. So, yeah, we employed our first um, apprentice and then I had another two apprentices go through and I had some amazing um, part-time staff come and help and some other full-timers from different places where they were unhappy and it was nice to build that friendship. And, we, you know, we'd always celebrate Christmas and Christmas in July and everyone's birthdays and we just kept it lively and because we had a mix of older people because there was a lady older than me and then some younger and then quite young it was a really good mix so um yeah it it was it was a great time of my life it was 11 years um of my life that uh you know some stuff you would always change but but that connection with my customers and my staff was just amazing. Yeah. Loved it. That's amazing. Yeah. And how many staff do you hire now at Crack Pepper? Um, I've got uh, two, three full-time at the moment and one casual. Yeah. Um, when I first started the cafe, though, I had my parents and my in-laws working with me as well and, you know, they nearly worked for the love of it. <laughs> <laughs> and who's the boss in that situation, Janine? <laughs> oh, there was... Is there a power struggle yeah, there? Yeah, well, not really. Um yeah, I guess, that, like I said, I didn't ever want to be the boss, but I think what I found challenging about the cafe, it was so different to the the hair salon mm. because I wasn't experienced in what I was taking on. Yeah. And, um, and I'll talk more about this later, but I opened it up um, straight after coming out of chemo, yeah. like about three months out of chemo. So clearly my brain was very uh, mushy. Hazy. <laughs> it was mushy. <laughs> so the old chemo brain is real for those out there that don't believe it is. Um, yes. So uh, we worked together. We made some, <laughs> um, you know, good decisions along the way. And it was difficult, I guess, because everyone had their own thoughts and um, ideas. But I had to take charge, which yeah. pushed me yeah, put absolutely. me out of my comfort zone a little bit because, yeah. Um, yeah, also working with family. I know my dear mum one day we had a little <laughs> dust up about some dishes because she was doing something and I, I had to, like, tell her off. <laughs> it was quite funny. But if anyone knows my mum and I, we have banter all the time anyway. And, yeah, she said, are you being serious? And I said, yes, I am, mum. This is the food industry. <laughs> We're not just playing at home now in the kitchen. So, yeah, it, look, it really worked well. And I'm grateful because if it wasn't for the family in the beginning, um, the, you know, the cafe, it would have been beyond me, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, Which it almost is now because I've created a monster. It's the greatest <laughs> thing. It's so busy and, wow, it can be exhausting. And I imagine you would have created that same sense of community in that yeah. cafe as well. Yes, I think that's what it is. I think people are drawn to not not just me but um the antics that we create you know because I like to um even if I'm in a hurry I like to give people time yeah yeah so during my hairdressing years I was always running late but that's because I was not prepared to hurry anybody and a lot of people um especially you know in this town in particular there's a lot of elderly people and they don't have people sometimes their family aren't here um and they just want to talk yeah and and because I've had you know some experiences in my life with 
different things, you know, and I share them because yeah. I'm an oversharer. <laughs> so I tell everyone everything, <laughs> even the details they probably don't need to know. But, you know, that opens up um, a connection, I think. Yeah, absolutely. That they feel a part of you. Yeah. And that's the, the idea of the cafe when I went in there because I, I still owned my salon uh, for a year while I was in the cafe as well. And I was trying to manage both and that was just not happening. I wasn't doing, yeah. to me, my best job of either of them. Yeah. I was yeah. I was spread a bit thin and I was getting... And bit, had chemo brain. I had a chemo brain, so I would forget everything. I couldn't remember names. I couldn't remember yeah. numbers. I really, really struggled yeah. in the beginning and I yeah. was getting quite short-tempered and, you know, I came out of chemo not quite, I guess, the person I was before. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a bit of a like uh, bad decision, but I've been told since to not look at it as a bad bad decision or a mistake. To look at it as a a life event, absolutely, that you can sort of um, reflect on later when yeah. you move on. Yeah. But definitely with the cafe, I wanted it to be like coming home to Mum's house. Yeah, that yeah. that was my motto. This, you know, I walked in there when it was empty, and I just thought this needs some love. Yeah. It needs happy people to sit yeah. down, and if they want to sit for hours on end yeah. in my cafe, I'm happy with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll stand with them and yeah. put my hand on their shoulder and talk to them, yeah. make them feel important. Yeah. And I think word of mouth, just yeah. spread that, yeah. because you, I haven't needed to advertise much. Yeah. Um, during the time that the streets were closed down, we, we struggled. We found it very difficult because a lot of the elderly people couldn't get out, yeah. and a lot of the other people were just going elsewhere um but that the love and connection brought them all back yeah and it's such a happy place now it's noisy <laughs> but that's whenever i turn up it seems to be noisy <laughs> so, yeah. i have no idea why that would be janine no idea so, i think i've created you know i have created the space that i wanted to you know we have lovely homemade food and and it is it's like sitting down at mum's oh it is when i went in there with leah i was gonna say that's exactly what i felt yeah it felt so welcome it's good and again a lot of that has also been um part of my staff you know finally i found the right staff yeah and they just they care for people too yeah and they care about their food yeah i know that sounds silly but if you don't care for what you're making to share with other people um yeah you don't get the love back yeah it's yeah. a connection. Yeah, absolutely, mm. absolutely. And how would you say owning businesses has shaped you as a person, Janine? Um, oh, I don't... I think you grow and I think you learn. Um, you learn to give a lot of yourself. Yeah. I don't know whether that's a good thing. <laughs> I think I've learnt in the past... Well, I thought I learnt this lesson when I got cancer originally um, because I was giving a lot of myself and not yeah. giving back to myself. Yes. Um, so I started thought I, pouring from an empty heart, yes, really. Yes, I did. Uh, that's what was happening when I got sick originally. And then one thing that dawned on me when I was home having chemo and looking after myself, my, my daughter, Amelia, said to me, um, and Kiara was there, she backed her up, she said, Mum, this is the nicest, like, calmest person you've been in a long time. Yeah. She said, you actually listen to us. You aren't running around. You know, yeah. you are actually sitting and being present. Yeah. You're and, here in the moment. And, it, yeah, it upset me because I was qu- quite emotional back then and it sort of um, made me feel guilty, like a lot of guilt came yeah. up that I'd put so much into these businesses um, and it was just by accident that, yeah. you know, you forget to, yeah, look after yourself. So 
I think I became the yes person along owning yeah. the businesses, which I yeah. think most people need to be careful of. Yes. Um, and if you can learn from it and be strong, I was, I'm strong, but yeah. I'm not strong in saying no. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's a skill you're developing. I'm developing it. Definitely yes, I'm, be, developing. I'm definitely becoming better because I, like I said, I stepped out of the salon. I had to give up something because I couldn't run both businesses and, and I felt like I had moved on yeah. from hairdressing. It was yeah. time for me to, yeah. um, you know, start a new challenge. Uh, the cafe was definitely that challenge. <laughs> And, yes, it shaped me into being probably um, a little bit of that yes person again. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just learning. I think yeah. I'm still learning, but I think I'm at the uh, pointier end of the tip now that I can see it. With increased awareness level. Yeah. I always say to clients the first point of change is becoming aware. Yes. Aware of that pattern. That's and right. And then you can start to change it. So you're at the awareness point. But you've been a big part of that as well because you've actually you have said that in your sessions, which I've come along to see you for when I was very um, cloudy and mixed up <laughs> and feeling very off centre. You know, I um, yeah. It, sometimes you just need someone else to point out yeah the difference. I think yeah. it's so hard to navigate through um, these patterns that we're creating when we're in the box. We yes. need someone from outside the box to help us point it out. Yeah, that's why I still see a mentor once a month and yes. think, wow, I didn't even see that that was happening. Yeah, you don't. And then the things that come out, you think, wow, that's been stored away for a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I think. Um, even leading into the cancer, you know, all the things that have happened to me during my life have um, probably helped the way I handled it, yeah. which we'll get into as yeah. well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. On. And how long have you been with your husband, Scott Janine? <laughs> we were just laughing about this, actually, because I, I was sitting out um, with, with Scott just a while ago and I said, oh, now I'm going to see Emma in a minute. I said... Um, <laughs> Now, we've been married 21 years. <laughs> no, we haven't. No, Janine, it's actually, we've been together 27 years. Oh, really? 27 years, yes. And we've been married for 26 years. Um, so Scott's been at Lowood's, yeah, 25, yeah. So is Scott the one that remembers the anniversaries then, Janine? <laughs> no, <laughs> because he, um, he remembers what, he thinks that we got married on uh, Valentine's Day. Well, we actually got married on the 14th. <laughs> but he knows that it was Valentine's Day on the 12th. Uh, sorry, 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 mix that up. Rewind, let's just go through this again. So we got married on the 12th. Okay, okay. But it was close to Valentine's yes, Day. Yes, it was two days later. So we had this blow-up um, love heart balloon at our wedding and it had arms and legs and it sort of walked around all night because it was helium so it sort of walked around the dance floor all night long and then we took it on our honeymoon and yeah so he does get it a little bit mixed up but yeah he knows because he started a new job just before we got married oh well wow. when we just built our own house because we yep. built our first house when we were 19 oh turning, wow that's amazing turning 20 we i imagine not many of your friends were building houses no, at that age no that's they incredible. weren't and i we laugh about it because we tell our children now we said you know we had to sell both of our cars, which were quite good cars, and we had to buy a lesser car <laughs> to have the money to buy our first block of land, which was four and a half thousand dollars. So at nineteen, yeah, we locked into a home loan with quite high interest rates, but we made it work. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of this, you know, has it's just who we've become I guess yeah. as a partnership as well yeah absolutely we're like a good team and how grateful have you been for Scott's support on your journey oh I, I can't even explain it in words he um 
In the beginning, it I will never forget when I told him that I uh, had found the cancer, that he... Because I wasn't going to. I was going to keep it a secret for oh, a few you know. days. <laughs> because I thought there's no point worrying him. I might be just might be just nothing. You know, I'll make an appointment and go to Adelaide and get checked out and then I'll tell everyone if I need to. And then I thought that was a bit unfair. So I said to him, Scott, I need to tell you something. I've got a lump in my breast. And he just looked at me with fear in his face and he said, how long have you had that? And I said, I found it two days ago. Yeah. And he said, well, I'm going to take you to Adelaide. Get a bag and we're going now. And I said, no, don't panic. I've been to the doctors. What? (laughs) Yeah, so um, he was just amazing. He took it on a little bit like a job almost. But I think, and I don't mean that in a bad way, um, whatever we have been presented with as a couple along the way, because there is always challenges, Yes, um, we've teamed together and we've, thought right well this is what we're presented with yeah what do we have to do yeah so that's scott's motto is what do i have to do yeah. to get this right so he was just imperative he was yeah. at every um actually this last week i just went to i think my first oncology appointment without him yeah for the first time and oh, it's wow. fine because i'm just having yeah general checkups but he has been there right by yeah. my side supporting me supporting the kids supporting everyone oh, wow. yeah that's amazing he's a pillar and now you obviously have two beautiful daughters, Amelia and Kiara. Did you want to tell us a little bit about them? Yes. Um, Amelia, our firstborn, she's uh, 22 and will be turning 23 next year. She is in her last year of pharmacy. Oh, wow. Yes. So, um, and, you know, I when I was diagnosed, which was in um, J- July 2015, she was actually... Um, in the middle of year 12. Yeah. So it was uh, a time that was quite tough for her and I felt a lot of guilt um, going through that. You know, I couldn't hide it from her. I knew when I felt this lump for the first time, I thought, oh, this is not great timing, really. Please, (laughs) can it be any other time? But um, I think things happen for a reason and she was sitting a UMAT test to... um, branch out into hopefully um the a career as a doctor um and she has a lot of anxiety issues herself Amelia she won't be upset for me yeah. saying this on yeah. on air because um we've you know supported her along yeah. the way yeah and um yeah she ended up changing directions I guess yeah. uh, because of everything that happened and uh you know she struggled to get through the um the rest of the year but she stood up to it yeah and I feel um, so proud of that because I think she has taken on a lot of what she's seen us go through and clearly by what she wrote in that, that, yeah, yeah, she has the same resilience. And so does Kiara. You know, she's very resilient as well, but she's a quieter achiever. Yeah. So we have to watch our little Kiara. Kiara (laughs) is uh, 19, beautiful girl, and turning 20 in December. And she um, isn't as hard um, and not quite... Yeah, very different personalities they are, but she's been very protective of me. She's been very close to me along the way. Yeah. Um, and she protects her sister as well. She's very caring, yeah. very loving um, on a different level. Yeah. And she's uh, working at the local jeweller's shop up here, but she also is an amazing singer. She's. Um, I've seen some videos. She is sensational. Yes, she is sensational. And she uh, has won many accolades. She uh, went to Borough... 
um, to the Country Music Festival last year and won an award that got her trip to Norfolk Island to oh, represent wow. Australia. That's amazing. And over there she competed with New Zealand um, people as well and she came third. Oh, wow. Out of the Did whole. you go over, Jeanette? Yes, yeah. we went over as a that family. Would have been amazing. Because that's another thing that we always do is try and be there for each other yeah. and support each other Absolutely. as hard as it is sometimes and sometimes yeah. financially you've got to go without other things yeah. to to get yeah. to where you want to be yeah. but um i just yeah we felt that we wanted to be there and it was brilliant so she her her career in music um you know she doesn't want to be beyonce on the big stage yeah. but she's learning to play guitar now and it i think her singing has been a very good healer for her Absolutely. it's her way of um, drifting off and you know releasing some clearing of, those emotions. Yeah, yeah, and she's just amazing. She she doesn't actually know how amazing she is. So we've got such different girls. You know, we've got one that's um, quite uh, you know good on the study and yep. and stuff. And then and then Kiara, who's music musically talented and she's gifted at helping people as well in the jewelry shop because she loves what she does. Yeah. So she's very giving and very caring. Yeah. Yeah, so she, um, yeah, they're both just so special to Out us. Out of interest, say, has Amelia reflected on missing that UMAT test? Has she been grateful that she missed that test? Does she feel she's in the right? Uh, yes, definitely now. Um, back in the beginning, our, everyone's emotions were very high. Yeah. So, and um, and I remember one day she, we had a few words, yep. harsh words, yep. and she, uh, she did, uh, blame me as yeah. in or not me as such but the cancer and the whole you know why did it have to happen and yeah. you know there was a yeah. few why me moments um but not for long yeah you know and yeah. and I said well you know maybe it's for the better I know people say that it actually sounds like intervention doesn't yes, it universal it intervention and and she has realized now she has said to me um since that she said I I think I'm definitely in the right place yeah. because you know being a doctor you're 24-7 yeah, on duty and with her anxieties and stuff like that we were worried that it would be probably a little bit too intense yeah. but yeah. she was adamant that that's what she wanted to yeah. do but she can still get all the joy and yeah. all the yeah. um you know nourishment that she needs yeah. from this job because yeah. she just is fulfilling people's needs yeah and, it, and it's obviously what all four of us in our family enjoy doing yeah. Yeah. we get joy out of you know, like even Christmas time, we all get joy out of giving yeah. rather than receiving. Yeah. It's more about what we give to people. Your home would be one big love fest over Christmas. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> is. Giving. It is. It's too much sometimes. <laughs> like this year we've got to put a limit on it, please. <laughs> now, after Leah Harvey and I recorded our last podcast while we were out for coffee, Leah told me a few stories of your softball days together, Janine. I must admit I forgot to put this on your list of questions that I said very funny about that. Yeah. Um, Leah kindly shared a story with us regarding a softball carnival on a June long weekend that starts with her recalling you playing spoons while standing on the spa and then having to be rescued after you were potentially about to be kidnapped by the local firefighters who thought they would borrow you for entertainment to a colleague's farewell party. That's right. That's right. It was very funny, very, very funny. But I think she was funnier than me because I think, did she tell you that she was up on their shoulders, one of them? Well, Leah Harvey did forget that point of the story. The story was a little bit focused on you yes, when she was no, relaying the story. No, we, we gave her a whizzy on the bar stall and then she decided that she was going to jump up on this man's shoulders and then he gave her a bit of a whizzy <laughs> and then she sort of slipped around the front of 
him. It was very, very funny. It was the funniest episode. We just uh, were very naughty together. Yeah, lots of fun. <laughs> and it sounds like the girls might have stolen your phone also and sent some random text messages and posts on Facebook. Yes. And lyricals that when you discovered these random posts on, on your phone, you decided perhaps it was a softball team next door that had hacked into your yes. account. <laughs> They led me to believe that. Oh, that was very, very funny. So, yes, I was a bit, um, bit gullible then, I think. She, Leah, I love her, honestly, but she is so naughty because she keeps a pan, deadpan face the whole time. Like she, she wouldn't. No, she's she got the perfect a, poker face, hasn't she? Did she did not give an ounce. And when, when I finally, like, finally realised it was her, she laughed and laughed and laughed. every time she looked at me for the whole weekend. She laughed. She told everyone, yeah, because I thought. <laughs> these people posting this because she was so sneaky <laughs> i never locked my phone either because i'm so trustworthy and i've got nothing to hide so she would get in there and have a great time <laughs> and i'm pretty sure i saw you in similar form at the wool shed one night janine and i think i saw you at the pub one night after softball tour and i remember thinking i've never in my life thought about playing softball until i saw how fun these celebrations <laughs> looked and i'm like maybe i need to get into this game oh look i just i have an attitude that you only get one life i always thought this even before i got cancer yep. so you know not not much of me has changed in that in that respect i and I, I am, I guess it is looked at as naughty sometimes, but it's just my spirit. Yeah. I can't help it. I love having fun. Yeah. And making other people happy yes. while you're amongst I make it. a fall of myself most yeah. times if I can make somebody else happy. Yeah. I'll do a stupid dance. or It gives other people permission to shine as well and well, join the fun. It gives them joy. And, yes, sometimes I'll join in or sometimes I'll just sit back and watch. But, <laughs> yes, I remember what, I'll have to tell you this one story. This was a softball story as well in Kadena, but we lost the grand final many times to Wallaroo. But anyway, this one night we lost and we walked to the pub, to the Kadena Hotel, which is our sponsors, and had a few drinks before we went back for presentation. And along the way, we were walking past one of the shops in Kadena and they left their doormat out. And so I, this is my <laughs> this is my mentality. Or instantly, I picked up this mat and threw like shook all the dust off. And I said, "Would anyone like to meet Matt?" <laughs> This is Matt. And everyone's like, who's Matt? I said, this is Matt, my friend. So I tucked my mat, my doormat, under my arm and, and I carried Matt all night long. We took him back that to the... Commitment, yes. That is commitment, We took him back to the um, presentation and I sat him next to me on a chair and introduced him to everyone. We got him a can of drink and so on. And then we took him to the pub at Wallaroo and met up with the winners of the grand final and showed Matt around down the nightclub. And then we brought him back home and he was still in my shed until we shifted house. Um, about a year ago, Scott threw him out. Oh, he was? I was devastated. We didn't even ha- get to say goodbye. <laughs> but, One of those breakups where you yes. didn't get proper closure. But, you know, that that's who I am. It's funny. And Leah it can be very, very similar. I think we <laughs> are related in some way. <laughs> and, I, and this is what I think everyone loves about you, Janine, that despite your own adversities or your tough times that you're going through, your ability to continue to make everyone smile. Yeah, thank you. So, Janine, let's get to a bit of the heavy stuff. Did you want to – well, you've already started to share a little bit about when you were first diagnosed um, with breast cancer. How did how did you first discover the lumps or how did you know they were there? Well, I um, I found it myself actually in the shower. Yep. So just backing back a little bit from that, I um, I – 
I have my skin checked because I had a melanoma when I was 19 as well. Okay. Uh, stage one melanoma, which my doctor found on my spine. It was it was only the size of a pin head. So I had that removed and I was always aware of checking my skin for skin yeah. cancer. Uh, so I'd go to the skin doctors every year and I've had a few others cut out that had high melanocytes and stuff. Nothing serious. But um, then my dad also died of bowel cancer um, when I was 29. So I... When I turned 30, I said to my doctors, I want to have a um, colonoscopy yep. because I just feel I've already had cancer once. Yep. I, I just want to protect myself. And, yep. you know, early detection yep. is what they drum into yep. us all now. Yep. And um, and then it's more treatable. Yep. Um, so, yes, I had always been having that done. And as I got a bit older, I was, you know, got to 40. And um, probably from about 41, my... I used to feel like, because I used to still get a period, um, but I knew that my mum had menopause. She went through menopause when she was about 38, 39. So I was always aware of my body and changes. So my breasts, actually, my boobs, every um, period and then every time I'd ovulate, obviously, during the month, my boobs would have a weird feeling. (laughs) And sorry to the men out there listening, but hey... (laughs) This is how it is. This is what we have to put up with. So we just got to suck it up and move on. But my boobs would feel like I was, um, to those that are breastfed, it felt like my boobs were filling up with milk. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like a letdown feeling. And it was just not every single month, but for 12 months before, they'd feel weird every now and again. And I'd have to rub them and, you know, like shake them up a bit and think, oh, that's a funny feeling. Something's going on with my hormones. So I went to the doctor and had some tests done. Yeah. And um, nothing really showed up yep. in, the, in the tests. So when I, um, yes, I had, we had a fundraiser for Relay for Life um, and it was, um, we were raising money and awareness that the Relay for Life was coming up. Yep. So we had a big um, 4th of July party. So this is how I'll never forget it because we all dressed up. You know, I was dressed up as Superwoman, funny enough. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman. I was dressed up as Wonder Woman in this fancy costume and uh, we went along to that party and uh, on the Sunday, so that was the 4th of July, and on the Sunday, the 5th, we cleaned up everything. and, And during that time, I had that funny feeling again in my boobs and I thought, you know, I need to start checking my boobs because yeah. I'm getting to that age that I should check them once a month, yeah. even yeah. though they were very little. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were only little. They were like struggled to be a bee cup, but, hey, they were still boobs. And they breastfed my two beautiful girls for 12 months each. So um, I thought Monday night, which yeah. was the 6th, I'll start checking my boobs the first Monday of each month. Yeah. So yeah. this will be July, the first check, and then I'll yeah. do it again in August. Very so structured, I, Yeah, very structured. Well, yeah. I've, that's how I like to be because yeah. then I don't forget. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, I got in the shower that night. It was 11 o'clock. I'll never forget it. My husband was out uh, tinkering with his um, 1974 Statesman DeVille <laughs> in the shed or wherever, and I got in there and I... You know, followed the pattern on Facebook or however they show you, under the armpit, started with my left breast and worked my way around and got up to about one o'clock from my nipple and I felt this unusual lump. Yeah. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what's that? So panic, instant panic because it was it like I had lumpy boobs. To those ladies out there that think that their boobs are lumpy, I thought mine were lumpy, but when you feel a lump of cancer, it's very different. Yeah. And you, I think you'll know. Yeah. Or you'll know it's not right. So anyway. You had quick, that instant reaction. Instantly this isn't right. I felt fear. Yeah. It was like all the hair stand up on the back of my neck. 
and I thought, oh, no, what's yeah. going on here? So quickly check the other side, go to yeah. the right side. Under the armpit, I was really panicking and yeah. nothing, nothing yeah. there. So back to the left side again and let's have another check. Yeah. It might be gone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was not gone. It was uh-huh. still there and I had no soreness. Um, apart from this tingly feeling in my boobs for 12 months, I was probably the fittest, yeah. mentally fit, yeah. the healthiest I had been wow. in, in all of my life. Yeah. So to think that I had cancer... Uh, and and I sort of knew straight away, and I and I'm not a negative yeah, person like that. Not a I, know, I, I wouldn't think, you know, but I just I just had a really bad feeling yeah. because I could grab it like I could physically pinch it and move it around in a lump, solid lump. So uh, being in the shower, and I'll never forget it. My whole life did pass past yeah. my eyes. Yeah. It was like a flashing train. It was like carriages of a train and reflections of memories and, you know. F- my dad's face and my kids as babies and just different things along the way um came past and it was which I think would have been expected after what you experienced with your dad as well it was a huge fear because I yes it I because you instantly and I remember thinking when I found out I had melanoma at 19 I thought oh my god I'm gonna die yeah. That's the first thing I thought when yeah. I was 19 because you're a little bit sort of overdramatic yeah. still then anyway <laughs> in your life. But then, you know, now I was 42 yeah. and feeling this lump of cancer and, yes, the everything just came flashing back. Yeah. And, and where was what was going to happen from here? Yeah. The fear of the unknown yeah. and the knowledge that I had to do something about this. Yeah. I could either ignore it, yeah. um, which, you know, I couldn't. I went... I got out of the shower and I would lay down on the bed and try to feel it. Yeah. And like I said, my boobs were very little. And when I laid down, <laughs> they were like a poached egg. And they slipped under my armpit. But I couldn't quite feel the lump straight away then. And I thought, oh, maybe it's gone. So I rolled over and sure enough, it was, it was still, still there. Because it felt um, like a squashed sultana, hard sultana yeah. that had dried out yeah. in the sun or a raisin. Yeah. Um, so... With my fear, and thankfully it was late at night, I went to bed, but I didn't sleep. And I didn't tell my husband because I thought I could wake up in the morning. If it's hormones, it could have gone. Yeah. So let's, yeah. you know. Well, I didn't need to wake <laughs> Ever up. Ever optimistic, Janine. Yeah, well, you know, I don't want to panic anyone and I don't want attention for that yeah. negative stuff. Yeah. You know, yeah. all my attention I enjoy is for positive yeah. Yeah. stuff. Yeah. So um, in the morning, yes, got up, went to work. It was a Tuesday and um, just I don't even know how I got through that day. I must have done a lot of customers. To those of you I did on Tuesday. I (laughs) apologise. I apologise. I don't know how I got through, but one of my staff members said to me, stop touching your boobs because I I must have been putting my hand down there feeling it. And I said, I'm sorry. It's just they've been feeling weird lately. And she said, well, get them checked and... Get them checked. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I will, I will. But that Tuesday I had to work till um, 8 or 8.30 that night. So yeah. it sort of kept me very busy. Yeah. And on the Wednesday, because I didn't sleep much on the Tuesday night either, on the Wednesday I decided I'd better make an appointment for the doctor because yeah. it was still there. Yeah. It felt like it was getting bigger. Yeah. But I think that was because I was fiddling with it all the time. <laughs> so I rang up, made a doctor's appointment. I It was school holidays. Yeah. So I had to take my kids with me and tell them a little fib. That um, just sit in the car. I've just got to go and make an appointment. Yeah. And then I text them and said, um, "I've got to stick around." And I think I told them I had to get a script or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I came out and told them I had to have a um, 
when I, we went to Adelaide the week after, I had to have a mammogram and some yeah. things done down there yeah. just for general checks because yeah. of my age. Yeah. So they were okay with that. Yeah. And then I went home, my girlfriend arrived and she knew something was up and I had to spill the beans to her. So um, I got Scott home for lunch and um, pulled him into the bedroom because he asked me what what was the matter and I told him. And, yeah, then I told my girlfriend and then then it was real. Yeah, absolutely. It was already real to me but it, it became real to, you know, my husband and then we decided not to tell anyone else yeah. Straight away, but then that wasn't really working because I had to have appointments with the doctors yeah. and stuff. So I sort of had to tell my mum, and and I will never forget going to her house. This was very difficult, and um, she wasn't home. Then I'd go back there again. Anyway, I rocked up, and I she said, "What's the matter? Aren't you well?" And I said, oh, "I don't feel very well." Yeah, I was very emotional, and I said to her, "I just need to tell you something. I've got a lump in my breast." Yeah, and she said to me. Oh no, I can't lose you as well. Yeah. I've already lost your dad. And I was like, Oh mum, yeah. don't say that. Yeah. Like we're not I'm not dead yet. Yeah. But I'm just telling you I've got a bit of a fight ahead of me possibly. So yeah. I need your support basically. Yeah. And, and I get it from her point of view yeah. because it was a tough time. That three years that my dad suffered with cancer was hard. Yeah. It was absolutely. hard to take. And, and the thought of going through that again. That was, was my, in my head. That's, yeah. I was going to be hit that person. Yeah. And I remember how my dad was very resilient as well. And I used to think, because he, all of a sudden he died. Like yeah. he was still going to work. And Oh, he was still working. He was still working. He worked the day that he died oh. or the day he went to hospital and then he died, yeah, the next day. So he... He never let on how much pain he was in. He didn't want to create a fuss at all, did he? he didn't want to create a fuss. And I felt a little bit the same because I didn't want my whole life to be just focused around cancer. Yeah, yeah. Because I had, you know, Amelia in year 12 and Kiara in year 10 and and it's a fear. And and a lot of people, when you say you've got cancer, instantly have this sad look in their face. Absolutely. Well, it's... and I understand because it's yeah. very hard. You don't want to be standing there with a big smile going, yeah. hey, that's great news, you know, because yeah. it's not. But yeah. my dad, one thing he used to say was he couldn't stand the way people looked at him like yeah. with pity. Yeah. And he, he also said one thing that upset him was that people that he's known forever used to cross the road because oh, wow. they didn't know what to say. Or they were avoiding it. All of a sudden they didn't see you. And it mm. happened to me as well because oh. I felt for him back then. And when it happened to me, I was like... Wow, I felt very uncomfortable. But what yeah. I I went home and thought about it, and I thought I get it. So if it ever happened to me again, I would go out of my way to yell out to the person. Yeah, absolutely. Hi, hey, hey, how are you going? You yeah. know, like, how are you today? <laughs> and like, they say it's amazing who walks in the door when yes, you really need it. Yes, it was very amazing. The support that popped up, yeah, and people that really wanted to share the journey with me or for me yeah. and yeah. support me and my family was just incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Do you think your body was giving you warning signs with that feeling yeah. that you were feeling? Sounds definitely. like your body was definitely talking. Yes, definitely. And I've always been very aware of what my body is telling me. Yeah, you I was know? impressed that you were feeling the changes. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I think everyone knows if something's going yeah. on in their body. Yeah. But I think um, especially a mum. Yes. A mum. Yes. Um, 
when you're busy you know when I had chronic fatigue quite a few years ago I knew that there was something wrong with me and firstly they said it was my depression Mm -hmm. because to those of you that um, out there may or may not be surprised by this but I have suffered depression and a a couple of really bad bouts in my life which I think have also become um, helped me become this stronger person because each time you get knocked down by something like that and you get assistance to help you back up yeah. you are stronger yeah absolutely you don't ever fall back down to yeah. the bottom rung yeah yeah you might slip like snakes and ladders yeah but you're never quite and I think you start to remember those tools or techniques or the things that you use that can help pull you up that bit quicker yes. as well yeah that's right and um I just I didn't want to um you know put myself or my kids through that I guess yeah. so yeah it's um you, you learn a lot about yourself oh, absolutely. in those scenarios. <laughs> but that's where I think, because Scott used to say to me sometimes, oh, you're always at the doctors. You're like a hypochondriac, you know. But if I had a problem, yeah. and I think because having um, melanoma. Yeah, and after what your dad went at through. At 19 and then my dad. It's and, going to make you hypervigilant. Yes, I was very aware that if there was a, a spot that would come up on my skin, I'd have to go and get yeah. a check because otherwise it would eat away at me. Yeah. So, yeah, I do think... Um, because like I said, that was the only sign. The rest of me f- felt like I could push a mountain over. Yeah. Wow. Or like Leah Harvey, pull a fire truck. Yeah. That's how I felt. I felt yeah. so strong. Yeah. And just on top of the world, I was yeah. kicking goals and yeah. I was just pushing on. Yeah. Loving life. Yeah. Absolutely. I was yeah. very happy in my own skin. I was very comfortable. My kids were good, you know. Yeah. We were life in a good, good position. Life was really, yeah. really good. And yeah. then, yeah, I don't know and whether or not I don't know whether something else told me you know yeah something else gives you that guidance I think so if you are open to it yeah and stop ignoring it yeah you know and this probably goes out to men out there as well because I think a lot of men you don't just have to be a busy mum but a lot of men will put themselves last yeah absolutely and they will ignore things yeah and yet they know like my dad was he had issues and had some signs yeah and he did go to the doctors and then he told the doctor that he thought he had um, Garibaldi uh, poisoning from... He was drinking Nippy's orange juice at the time. So he sort of told the doctor he had diarrhoea and things that yeah. sort of pointed towards bowel cancer. And he's, he, he had a lot of issues for a long time. Yeah. But he never liked going to the doctor and oh, he didn't like wow. attention. So yeah. it was quite a while down the track before they found it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he'd got to the point where the pain was becoming debilitating? Is that what got him to the doctor yeah. in the end? Yeah. Well, he just no, what happened is he actually had a hemorrhage. Okay. And it was Easter Sunday. Yeah. I'll never forget because we had an Easter family get-together, which we always did because yeah. we were a very close family. Yeah. And um, he'd been to a garage sale because my dad was a true garage <laughs> sailor. He would go around getting bargains. Mum yeah. never liked some of the junk that he brought home. But anyway, it was always going to be helpful for somebody. So he would come along with his garage sale stuff. And the day before, he got some pot plants, yeah, these very big ones. And he, he lifted them out of the van on his own because uh, my dad was uh, 50, um, 50, 58 when he died. Oh, wow. And he'd had it for three years before. So he wasn't, very, wasn't yeah. really that old. And yeah. he was still playing cricket oh, wow. and stuff like that. So, yeah. um, But he, he picked up this big pot plant and then must have had a pain in the belly which he used to get a lot anyway and then he would always go to the toilet quite frequently and harshly anyway that happened on that Sunday night and he bled 
So then it was off to the hospital, you know, yeah. and starting to deal with that. So, but yeah, when we look back, he had some signs and signals that yeah. were sort of pushed aside yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Because it was never about him. Yeah. He didn't want it about him. Yeah. He would rather look after everyone else. Yeah. And um, yeah, and he still did that to the day he died. Almost he yeah. was still caring about everyone, everyone else. else. And he, I remember the night he went into hospital, we spoke to him, and he was a bit drug, drugged out, and he said. Don't worry about coming down. I'm all right. Just come down tomorrow. You oh. know, like he was very protective of us, yep. um, which was hard for my mum when he passed because he was um, he was in denial that yeah. he was going to die yeah. because he was, um, you know, invincible yeah. in a way. So he he wouldn't let mum share a lot of the um, reports they got back from doctors. And when he went to the doctor five days or seven days before, they said there's nothing we can do for you from yeah. here. Yeah. And he made mum swear not to tell, do not tell the kids. Because oh. so he knew he had only a few weeks, but she was supposed to keep that a secret, which, sorry, mum, sorry, dad. But she didn't. <laughs> she told us because, you know, she didn't think it was fair that yeah. we um, didn't spend as much time yeah. with him as we could. And, yeah. But it didn't seem real yeah. that he was going to be gone. Yeah. But he was yeah. within that week. Oh. So it was a very hard time. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I guess good things come out of bad. It's hard to say that when oh. I still struggle to find the reason. Yeah. But I do feel like he's always been with me. Yeah. I did go through a little stage um, back here not that long ago that I didn't feel his presence and that, that upset me. Yeah. Whereas in most of my life... Um, you know, since he's been gone, I have felt him. And you've had quite strong signs yeah. along the way that yes. he's been around too. Yes, you? I have. I've had some really <clears throat> weird ones because I was wearing his uh, really broken old old wedding ring, his original one, and um, and it fell off of the chain that I was wearing when I was out at the kids' school assembly one day. Yeah. And um, Leanne Russack, actually, I thank her every day because she found it. Yeah on the ground and picked it up and said, oh, someone's lost a little ring. And I said, oh, can I have a look at that, Leanne? Because I instantly felt my necklace and it was gone. Yeah, yeah. Not my necklace. The necklace was still in place, but the ring was on the ground. So I got the ring and I said, oh, sorry, Leanne, that's my dad's ring. I've been wearing it around my necklace. And she said, well, how did it fall off? It's like... <laughs> and I said, well, it must have broken because it was very fine. And she said, no, it's not broken, Janine. I've had a look at it. And I was like... Oh, really? And she said, yes. Actually, I've just, I did muck that up because the first time it fell off, I was getting ready to take the kids to school. Yeah. And it fell off in my bedroom and the chain was still in place. Yeah. And there was no split in it. So yeah. this is actually the second time I lost it at school. And Leanne said to me, uh, Mark, to those locals, Mark Russack and Leanne were the local jewellers. And consequence, that's where Kiara works now in that shop. Yeah. It's so funny it's how funny, fine strings attract. Attach, but anyway, Leanne said, I'll take it to work and get Mark to check it because yep. there's obviously a fault in it somehow. Give me your chain and I'll check it all out because yep. this is the second time you've nearly lost it and the chain's still on your neck. So off she went with it and she came back. She said, Mark has looked with his little eyeglass and there's nothing wrong with any no. of it. All the links are fine, there's no split in the ring. So I put it back on and I thought, okay, I'm going to wear it because <laughs> it, it was too broken to wear on my finger. You know, it was all busted and lit, like yeah. little and not quite round. And anyway, put it back on. About two weeks later, I went to swimming classes. We went and did water aerobics and it fell off in the pool. I lost the whole chain and everything. It went <laughs> right down the deep end. 
everyone was in a panic because we didn't want it to go through the filter. So diving down and getting it, sure enough, this time the chain had broken and fallen off. So the ring was in the bottom of the pool again. And I just thought, in the end, I took it back to Russ Axe and Leanne said, someone's trying to tell you something, that you're not supposed to wear that ring, you need to do something else with it. Absolutely, I was going to say the exact same thing. It was so weird and that's what I mean, I sort of have these things happen to me and I think it's because I'm open to it. Yeah, absolutely. um, Do you think it's linked to your dad not wanting to make a fuss because you had it in a prominent position and he's a bit like, I don't want you to make that fuss. I don't want you to wear that. It just sounds so him from the way you describe him. Yeah, because he didn't, he never ever wanted any fuss, no attention, nothing. He just was always in the background. He always walked behind us. He was always last to get there, last to leave, you know, just, (laughs) just dad was always very simple and very easily pleased. Yeah. You know, yeah. which, um, uh, yeah, it was very grounding as a child to yeah. have him around oh, because he was like a peacemaker. Yeah. And just casual. Yeah. Yeah, too casual sometimes. <laughs> he was never early for anything. <laughs> the only thing he was early for was his funeral. <laughs> Mum made sure of that. <laughs> so, yeah, he told me to not get that. So I had it recreated. So I wear it now. It's in... Part I had it remelted down with um, his second wedding ring, yeah. and um, my mum's engagement and wedding ring to oh, him. Wow. So I had it recreated yeah. um, as a necklace. No or ring. Ring. Oh, so awesome. I had it all melted down and took mum's uh, diamonds out, and I added some rose gold and created my own one oh, special beautiful. ring that's yeah. everything's in together. Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. You'd love it. Thank you. Now, Janine, when you went through your own cancer journey, what kept your spirit going during this tough time? I know you have made note of a special mention to Sue Bird. Oh, Sue Bird from um, <laughs> Breast Cancer Network Australia or from, yeah, they were my two um, support networks. I guess what happened is when I first um, had cancer and I told Mel King, my very good friend, she organised... Um, for me to be sent the Breast Cancer Network Australia um, journal, yeah. the My yeah. Journey kit. Yeah. Um, she rang me. It was on my way to Adelaide yeah. to have one of my appointments and she said it will be coming through the post. So um, as well as that, um, Sue Bird is part of the McGrath Foundation. Now, yes. they're not the same entity but they sort of they do work Works a little together. bit side to side. Yeah. Okay. So I was linked up with um, Sue uh, not straight away. I think it was when I come home from surgery. And look, she was just my guardian angel, yeah. uh, absolute guardian angel. And during the um, surgery, she was the first one to touch base with me because oh, I also wow. had a breast care nurse in Adelaide, yep. two of them that I used to see. Yeah. One I connected with a little bit more. She was younger. Yeah. Still connect with her now. I seen her only a couple of months ago at the Breast Cancer Network Australia conference, the very first one I went to in Adelaide. It was brilliant to catch up with her. But when I got back to Kadena, Sue was just my guardian and she would ring or turn up on my doorstep the days that I needed her. It was so a little bit like these signals I'd get from my dad. It was like, you know, because I did have my down days. I never bounced through it completely, you know, off the zone and happy. And But I would always you know, go out and, and dress up. Even if I felt really yucky, I'd put yeah. my bright earrings on and my yeah. my lipstick. And that's one thing that she said is, you know, just take each day as it comes yeah. and if you feel like you can push yourself, you need to do it. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I don't know. I think because I all of a sudden had time to myself because I stepped out of the salon. I didn't have to be a boss, you know, 
I was... Um, and you had a pattern of keeping endlessly busy Yes, I well. did. I did. And it was very hard to stop that. Yeah. But I think my thoughts were kept busy because it was about survival. Yeah, absolutely. It was about what do I need to do. And I yep. used to always joke. It was, was shouldn't have been a joke really now. Think about it. But I used to say, oh, if I ever got breast cancer, I'd have both my boobs cut off. That'd be it. I'd yep. just have them cut off yep. and reconstructed. Yeah. No questions asked. And... And then when it happened, you know, and I was sitting in that doctor's clinic um, for the results, which happened to be on the day that my nana was buried. So, she, you know, she passed away. It all happened within the same time. It was like, why are you challenging me with all these things? It's obviously for a reason. So, yes, I was sitting there thinking, well, that's it. I'm going to get them both removed. Yeah. Because I don't want to deal with this. I only want to deal with this once, yep. you know. And that's yep. my way. If, if, you know, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. Like Perfect. Amelia said, I guess, 110%. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to do it half yep. ass, excuse the <clears throat> pun. Yep. But, um, yeah, and that's – I just took it on as a job. I thought, well, this is my challenge and I'm going to make this okay for everyone else, yep. especially my children. Yeah. Because I didn't want them to feel sorry for me. Yeah. I didn't want them to feel frightened, although I knew they were. Yeah. But we didn't really talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes. So uh, the day we told them was difficult. Yeah. I we bet. called them in and they thought that we were telling them that we were selling our house because <laughs> they were excited about building a new house. And so that didn't go down that well when we yeah. called them in and said, no, this is what's happening. But yeah, I think what. What kept me strong is the support around me from the likes of Sue, Scott, you know, my mum and Wayne, her husband, and Sean and Colin, the kids, all my friends. Yeah. I just and I think I just felt so grateful. Yeah. That um, that they cared enough. Yeah. To turn up. Yeah. To ring me, to text me, the messages I got were insane. Yeah. Because it was hard to tell everyone, and I wanted to tell them all personally. Yeah. So I yeah. rang. Them all, and I, I rang oh, my wow. brothers. You delivered the message yeah. personally to yeah. everyone. Very difficult, wow. very difficult. But the hardest uh, one I found was um, my brothers, obviously, yeah. uh, by phone. Um, Shane, my oldest brother, is very tough, very tough, and uh, you know, doesn't not much affects him. But yeah, I heard the croak in his voice, and and the same thing, obviously, because they it's still so raw in their mind what we yeah. went through with dad, and I guess it was a quick flashback and reflection yeah. as well and uh, that was difficult to yeah. have that conversation with him while he was clearing his throat <clears throat> you know a lot while he was trying to speak to me and then the, my other brother was in Melbourne at a work conference and that was yeah probably even harder because I felt he'd had a stroke and had been through a lot of um, bad stuff as well and uh, yeah mm. it, it just um, just kept feeling like Groundhog Day a little yeah. bit. Wow, here's the next challenge. Hey, yeah. are you ready for another one? Yeah. So, yeah, I think it was just all my support that kept me going. It sounds like Sue was sent to you. She was sent to me. Yeah, she, she knew was. when to turn up at the right she time. Did. Didn't she? She, she did. She was like a gift from God. Yeah. And um, it was insane and she still does it to this yeah. day. Yeah. And, you know, only a few months ago and probably when I posted on Facebook she touched base with me yeah. because she sensed that I needed her. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I didn't ask her to come to me but we had a couple of great conversations on the phone and it was just incredible yeah and I yeah I just feel all of the people that were sent to me as well like the new friends I made when I went on the breast cancer network Australia trek yeah some of those people were incredible yeah and what we'd all been through um 
just knitted us together, yeah, brought together absolutely. a real camaraderie. And all those little things are bits that fill your cup. Yeah, absolutely. They're the little things <clears throat> along the way that, that help. And even the My Journey kit was good because it was something I could write my emotions in. And yeah, that sounds amazing. And study and um, just put it all into place. Yeah. It's like a, writing your own book, I guess. Yeah. And I always genuinely believe that in our difficult times of life, that life, the universe, whatever you believe in, will present those resources to help you through it. Yes. If you're open to it and if you're willing to yes. it, it, it will support you, but you've got to be open yeah. to it, which you were. And I feel that's right. That's why I feel lucky. And, and people say, lucky you got breast cancer. But, you know, a lot of good stuff came out of yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. A different reconnection with my kids, I yeah. think. Um a different gratitude for life yeah. because I did get so busy working that I did yeah. forget about myself. Yeah. Um, although I, when I did get breast cancer, I was spending time down in Adelaide with my girlfriend each week and I was doing fun stuff. Yeah. That's why I was happy. But then yeah. I, when I got into the cafe, I forgot. You know? <laughs> like you just, it, sometimes I feel I'm a slow learner. <laughs> what are you doing, Janine? Yeah, but it taught the girls a lot of good stuff as well, like yeah. a lot of, Good stuff came out of this yeah. this yucky stage we've been through Absolute, in our life. Absolutely. Yeah. And I still remember when you booked in for a session, Janine, early this year, and I felt very honoured to have the opportunity to spend one-to-one time with you to learn more about the journey and to learn about the real Janine Mercer, who I'd coin as a Kadena celebrity for the record. <laughs> but what I found most inspirational about you, Janine, is how much you give yourself to others. I was even lucky enough to see this firsthand one day when Janine pretty well pushed one of her closest friends through my front door because she knew she needed an extra boost for going her own session, which she was hanging out for to help someone else. And I literally think she did push her friend in through the door. So uh, just that just that drive to help other people and, and your persuasiveness too to actually go, you know what, you need some help and this is what I'm going to do to make it happen because not many people would do that. No, and and that's I think that's my part that makes me gives me joy is yeah. that and and because I have um, always sourced out help along yes. the way when I have been feeling my lowest, you know, back in the beginning when it was depression and and um, and then I think I had a bit of postnatal depression as well when I yep. had Amelia because it was such a shock from going from being a hairdresser every day with full on contact to just this dear yeah. little baby that yeah. I knew nothing about. Yeah. You know, I felt isolated. And so I've always got help and I know how quickly it can repair you or help, yeah. um, re- yes, bring you back together or, or straighten out your thoughts. And because what I found, especially with depression in particular, is that it um, it's like a little drop in the ocean, but it, it spreads out above, like around everyone else. Yeah. And um, I didn't want that to happen and I could see and I'm talking about my friend now that I pushed in your door <laughs> because she's had some really tough things to deal with and I I kept thinking I was feeling not too bad at the time when I needed to come see you but she really needed to see you. And she did try and pull out that morning. <laughs> she tried to pull out on me and I was and like... Jadine was literally pushing her by I her back did. through the front door. I turned up on her back door. <laughs> I, she tried to say no and I said, it's too late, I've already left home and I'm coming to get you. <laughs> <laughs> so she was out the front waiting. Because so many people would take that no text yes. and go no, and leave it. I wasn't going to. Even, but you knew. I love her dearly and she's a very special friend to me and um, she needs support yeah. and I can't always give it to her. I feel like... 
you know, we've we've done it, we've talked and stuff, yeah. but sometimes you need that outside help yeah. and you need to be opened up in different ways yeah, from different um, sources. Absolutely. And that's what I've thrived to do. And a lot of times during my hairdressing I have given people numbers or booked them into places yeah. or, you know, Made supported it happen. Them. Made it happen. <clears throat> and I think that one little step has, you know, really helped. And that's why I shared my cancer diagnosis so freely as well I sat around with my kids and Scott and said to them I'm going to put a post on Facebook because I don't want the rumors going around I want everyone to know at the same time so I put a big post out there and it was not for attention it was to create awareness and so that everyone knew what it was what I was dealing with and that they would check their own breasts yeah absolutely because if it can happen to me Look at me, I'm yeah. fit and healthy. No, yeah. I'm not sick at all, but I've got a lump of cancer in my breast. You all need to and check. And the flow-on effect from you posting that Facebook post yes. and the awareness it brings with that, the amount of it help. Was, it was huge. And, you know, so many people got diagnosed all around my age. Wow. Um, so we've got a little breast friends group. Yep. Breast yep. friends group because, um, you know, they went to the, the breast bus because the breast bus was actually in... Wallaroo at the time. Oh, wow. So as I walked out of the doctor's clinic the day I went to have my first meeting with them to show them that I've got this lump, I walked out and it was across at the railway yards yep. in Wallaroo, which it was back here a couple of weeks ago there as well again. And, um, yeah, I just felt that if I created that awareness, people might go, oh, maybe I better go get yeah, checked. Yeah, absolutely. And now you can go from when you're 40. Like, you don't have to wait till you're 50. Yep. You can be any yep. age. It doesn't matter if you're 35. You can head down there. Yep. And have it done. Um, the scary bit was, though, that my my cancer didn't show up in a mammogram. Okay. So you have to be diligent in checking yourself yeah. as well and, yeah. and very aware of yeah. yourself. Yeah. So self-awareness and, um, yeah, I, I think sh- sharing my stories, and yeah. they've been pretty crappy, some of them, but, hey, it just makes it okay for other people. Yeah, absolutely. To be aware. Absolutely. And as we discussed last podcast with Leah Harvey, <clears throat> thanks to the amazing knowledge of Louise Hay and cellular biologist Bruce Lipton, we now recognise that sometimes physical symptoms are merely tangible evidence of what's going on in the unconscious mind and how we're really feeling deep inside. It's thought if, it, if these feelings are ignored, our subconscious mind will find another way to get its message across to help you see your deeper needs are being ignored and as Janina and I debunked in sessions we could see her body had started screaming at her through the cancer did you feel comfortable explaining how you found the sessions Janine yes I do um I'd never had um tapping yeah EFT EFT. I never knew what I was turning up to actually I just (laughs) I was drawn to Emma um also by a Facebook post, I think. And then I, I've seen you speak um, a few times and I just I love the way your mind works. <laughs> I think I feel a connection and I, and I love interesting things and I love, I love, you know, health and well-being yeah. and I think that's uh, like my weight loss um, journey along the way. It's all linked, yeah, you know, absolutely. because you know when you feel good, yeah. like you said. Yeah. But the sessions, um, yeah, I didn't know what I was turning up for really in the first <laughs> session. And I always say to people, wherever I've been along the way, normally the first session I cry for the whole hour. 
And, you know, it's money well spent. It's the best <laughs> money I've spent on a cry ever. Um, I don't think I cried your whole session, but probably three quarters of it. But, yeah, it was just, it was nice to offload. I yeah. just felt that you understood me. And the techniques designed to release emotion. Yes. And when you were crying like that, I could I could feel the emotion was jammed up. Yes. And we just needed to release it. And yeah. that's what the technique does so beautifully. And that's why I actually think you do, didn't cry the entire time because there came a point when we had actually yes. given it space to move on. So, yeah, that's yeah, right. It was, it, was, so cool. it was amazing because I think um, when I got so um, worked up, you know, and I didn't know what it was. We yeah. sort of unpacked it. It was like unpacking a suitcase yeah, of where <laughs> where all this is coming from. Yeah. And, and, you know, when walking into your uh, room and, and sitting there feeling so comfortable and so safe as well, I think the lid of the suitcase just opens. It opens. It's like all of a sudden I can speak about this stuff. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff came up that I didn't even realise was actually bothering me either. And that, that's often the stuff that's happening deep down. But yes. we get confused by all the everyday stuff that's jamming up our mind. Yeah. It's I, always a fascinating bit. I always love that about sessions. Sometimes clients will come in and say, this is the problem. Yeah. But then as we unpack it, it's like, hang on, right. this is what's really going Whoa, on. what's happened here? Yeah. That's right. Because, cool. yeah, I was really um, on my way to having having a bit of a meltdown, wasn't I? <laughs> I was very confused about how I felt, I think. I I thought I knew yeah. what, what was going on and I, you know, because I was very, I had, when I turned up to you, I sort of only felt I had two emotions yeah. going on and I wasn't sure whether that was um, part of what, because cancer or breast cancer, I don't know, all cancer, I think a cancer diagnosis, when you go through that journey, it takes a lot from you. Yeah. And it, and it's um, yes, you lose a lot of yourself. Yeah. I didn't just lose my boobs; I lost a lot of who I was when yeah. I was forty-two. Yeah. The day before to the day I found I had cancer, everything changed. Yeah, and things in me have changed that I didn't want changed. Yeah. So and and I was, um, you know, I was resistant. Yeah. To that, so I think I created all these issues within myself, and I think leading up to getting cancer, like. I was, um, and I'm going to say this out loud, but I was in an unhappy state. Yep. I had gotten to the end of my road in the hairdressing, yep. like being the boss of those lovely eight girls. I, yep. I just felt like I couldn't give any more there yeah. as well, and I felt almost like burnt out. I was burnt out. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd I'd run my race and yep. I'd given so much. And I had... And the cup was well and truly empty. It was empty. It was empty and I kept getting told yep. along the way I had lots of things happen to me, yep. you know, like chronic fatigue. Yeah. Um, and then I um, busted my leg and I had to have time off from work and then I... Um, busting legs, busting legs, breaking legs is always classic yes. universe going, you actually need to slow down and assess what's going on. Well, I got hit in the leg by a softball. Um, is that what did it? Yeah, hit in the leg by a softball and I it created a, um, um, a blood clot. Uh-huh. So I had to work for 12 weeks with a bandage on, like all up and down my leg. Yeah. And, you know, so it slowed me down a little bit but didn't stop me. I yeah. still repaired enough to flog myself again afterwards and yep. then um then I broke my arm at softball as well yep. so I went out to practice it was actually my own teammate who's my relation uh, I pitched the ball in um and I was too close it was my own fault and he belted this ball he was a 14 year old boy 
belted the ball back at me and I was too slow to get out of the way because I was a little bit older then and broke my wrist, hit me in the side of the wrist. So, again, I was out of work. That was leading into Christmas. You know, I had so many signals along the way because I was was disgruntled with where I was. I felt like I had so much to give but I couldn't give it because I was giving it in other ways. But it was with this, you know, my lovely clients, it wasn't, yeah. It wasn't anything personal with them. I think I was just done. Yeah. I was done yeah. and I didn't know how to get out yeah. because I had a full week, every week of clients. Yeah. I knew who was coming each yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. You know, and I loved them dearly and I felt like I couldn't let them down. Yeah. But what I did, I let myself down. I really let myself down. And I, and getting cancer was the thing that made me realise you have to step out now. Yeah. We've given you all these other signs and Absolutely. signals along the way and you haven't taken yeah. it. So guess what? It's time to go. We're really going to make you stop. Yes. And we're going to do it in a big way. It was a big way. It yeah. was a big, big mountain come crashing down and it was like my whole world was just turned completely upside down. And I like the way you were saying yes to other people. There's a quote that says every time you say yes to someone else when you really want to say no, you're saying no to yourself. To yourself. That is so true. And I knew it and I would have this beaming smile while I was saying yes. Yeah. <laughs> and I was really gritting my teeth. I know the dentist had said to me, Janine, your jaw line, like you're going to have to get a night plate because you're gr- yeah. like gritting yeah. and grinding your teeth. Yeah. So I had a headache, you know, m- every day of my life as well. Oh, wow. Because I was just in a situation that I was just pretending. Yeah. I was pretending. Yeah. And I think that um, earlier this year when I arrived on your doorstep too, I was also, I was back to that. Yeah. It's back to that stage of pretending. I actually think that's what had shaken you up so much at yes. that point in time was, holy shit, I'm back where I was. I am. And I know, I know where that led me. Yes. I know what my body did. My body betrayed me and I'm back there again. I think that's why I had a bit of that extra I was edge for you. I was yeah. scared. And I, I was really worried and I was getting so worked up about it. You know, what, yeah. if, what if it comes back and then I yeah. have a pain? Yeah. You know, and I think, oh, my God, my back, what's happening with my yeah. lower back, you know? Yeah. And... Um, I guess that because you live with the fear yeah. and, and it's hard to say, like, I don't let it stop me, yeah. okay, yeah. but sometimes it's still there. Yeah. It comes up all of a sudden out of the yeah. blue. Um, not as much now. I think yeah. because I have filled my cup a little bit more and I've, yeah. I've made some decisions just recently going into the future about what I need to do for yeah. me now. Yeah. Because I've had this second lesson, but yeah. I've learned quicker. Yeah, absolutely. I haven't let yeah. it knock me over yeah. totally. I've rocked up yeah. screaming out for help from you and, you know, telling you all of my, my yeah, my fears. Yeah. I was scared. Yeah. Scared of what was going to happen, what was going to be next. Yeah. And, um, you know, second time round, I don't want to do that again. Yeah. I, I'm not yeah. ready for that. Yeah. Um, and I could see my home life was falling apart again because I was... The other thing is I think because I opened the cafe, like I said earlier, I finished chemo in the November of yep. 2015 and I opened the cafe in February 2016. Yep. And so mushy brain, not like yep. I still felt as fit as a fiddle. Yeah. But then I started on tamoxifen, which is my tablet of um, my so-called, it's my treatment tablet. It's okay. to prevent my type of cancer hopefully from not coming back but um that changed a lot in my world as well yeah that's what I'm saying about the changes you you know you're instantly I was menopausal yeah so I was instantly hot flushes night sweats you know not panic attacks as such but you 
you know, I would I'd be angry. Yeah. Like I this anger would just come up inside of me, and so I was at the stage I was blowing my stack. Yeah. At work, yeah. and I was, <laughs> I told you I think one day about the the can opener. Yeah. The Tupperware can opener that wouldn't work, and I was trying to open the beetroot tin, and I'd I, I tried once. And got all the way around, no, it didn't work. So second time, third time, fourth time, about the fifth or sixth time in the end, I said some very big swear words that start with F. <laughs> and I overarmed through this damn can opener into the bin, knocked the bin over, everything fell out of it, and I just swore my head off and walked out and started crying in the office because, yeah. you know, I couldn't cope with it. So I had put myself back in a, a pressure point place and I didn't want to be there but again and I not felt being trapped. A, not being able to open that can was representing life's just not working the way I it's want it was just going. so symbolic it's not going yeah. yes and and I kept you know I I know I went to a lady and I had a massage I don't know if I told you this but she she was um did Reiki and different things and she was so good to me she told she told me two things you know and I don't always sometimes I quote people sometimes I don't but one thing she said to me was um, that like with breast cancer, she said, um, "What breast was it in?" I said, "It was in my left breast." And I said, "Most of the people that I know have had it in their left breast." Yep. And she said, "That's the nurturing side of you, and you mm. weren't nurturing yourself." Bingo, bingo! And I yeah. was like, "Whoa!" Yeah, that was another Sue Bird moment. Yeah. I was like, "I was supposed to come to this lady." Yeah, because absolutely. at that time, I was seeing you, and I was yep. trying to release my tension in my muscles. And so she told me that as well. And then that was another little yeah, tool in my toolbox on, yeah. and a little bit of information that sat sitting yeah. at the back of my mind. And what else did she say? Oh, she kept saying that she – and I didn't really tell her much about my life because yep. I was there for a massage, not yeah. offloading. Yep. But she told me she kept seeing a stop sign. <laughs> and I kept seeing stop signs yeah. as well. That's funny. And, and the number one, two, three, for some reason, would turn up in my life all the time. Like one, two, three. You can Google that. Have you Googled? Yes, I have Googled yeah. it. And it's, yeah. and it's another, it's, yes, it's saying that you, you're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So if you keep seeing repetitious numbers in places, they say that, that there's a message with those numbers. So yes. if you Google angel numbers and put the number in, you can find a Google reference if you're, anyone out there is seeing numbers. So. I was fascinated. And yeah. now I take photos of it all the time because yeah. it'll be my alarm clock at one twenty three in yeah. the morning. I look at it. It's classic. You keep the looking clock radio, at the clock at It the comes up time. on the till. Yeah. Like one, yeah. two, three. Yeah. Um, like it's just yeah. bizarre. So yeah. so many little signals that were telling me... But the beautiful part of this story is you were listening to them. Yes. Listening to those signs. Because I'm thinking, oh, if I don't listen, I'm going to be in big trouble yeah. again. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, I um, I think all the pieces just fall into place. And that, the, another thing that um, someone told me just recently was um, about a snow globe. Have I told you about mm. the snow globe? No, well, no. This was very interesting. I went at... We, I seen at the Breast Cancer Network Australia conference um, um, a psychologist called um, Charlotte Totman in Adelaide, and um, she spoke very good. It was like she was. It was like you, Emma. It was like she was. She was speaking to just me <laughs> in the room. I was sitting there thinking, "Is she know what's going on in my life? <laughs> she know where I've been and what I'm doing?" And anyway, she said that um, with uh, your life, okay. Yeah. And my life was going along great. Yeah. I knew my little snow globe was, uh, you know, when you 
look, I love snow globes. I'm attracted to them yeah. and I always loved to have one as a kid and I haven't got one now. Uh, sorry, recently I bought one. I was going to say good. I went and bought <coughs> one. But anyway, she said with a snow globe, you can see your life. There it is in front of you. It's it's a clear in that crystal ball at the top. You can see whatever picture you've chosen in there and it could be somewhere, a destination that you've been or whatever. But she said you can see your life. Yeah. So you're looking at that and you're reflecting. And she said when a trauma comes along like cancer or a diagnosis or a death of someone in your family or something your snow globe is shaken Absolutely. it's like thrown up in the air yeah and all those little bits they yeah. come slowly back down but they fall in a completely different yeah. spot and it's never the same it's never the same again your mm. life is never the same she mm. said no matter what that trauma is and she said the thing the key is recognizing it accepting it yeah and then adjusting and moving on yeah but she said you can't always do that yourself and, and acceptance in itself, some people can never reach that point no. either. And that's, it's exactly the same as what you have taught me along the way too, but it was just worded yeah. differently. Yeah. But it all meant the same. And yeah. I was thinking, wow, I am on the right track. Yeah, You absolutely. know, I understand that. Yeah. And I went out and got a snow globe. Yeah, and I so good you did. I bought another snow globe for a friend that was having some trouble at the same yes. time. Yes, We went for coffee and we both had a cry about our different issues in life and... Uh, I was telling her the snow globe story, who was going to pass it on to her daughter. Yeah. And I've told many people. Yeah, and, it's a beautiful and I just, story. I love it. My kids yeah. loved it. Everyone loved it. So go get yourself a snow globe. And one of the, if you're struggling with your emotions, one of the biggest things you can do to help is accept whatever it is that you're feeling. Yes. Or just be honest with yourself what it is you're feeling yeah. and make peace with it or accept it. But it can be so hard to get to it's that so point sometimes. It's so hard. It's so hard because I, I didn't want to accept the new me. Yeah, absolutely. Because, because I really liked the old me. Yeah. But, but I've realised now after putting this in this hard work and, you know, getting off my bum and coming to see you yeah. and, and going to places like the, the Breast Cancer yeah. Network Conference yeah. and touching base again with Sue Bird and, and just actually saying to people, I'm mentally struggling. Yeah, absolutely. I'm mentally struggling. Yeah. You know, I've changed jobs at the moment because I couldn't... I own the cafe and I love it. Yeah. Um, but it... It wasn't giving me enough brain space to look after myself yeah. and choose wisely. So yeah. I've had to step out and put a manager in there and she's doing a wonderful job, but it gave me time yeah. to reflect because yeah. it wasn't bringing me joy. Yeah. And yeah. I needed to get back out there into the open world and give joy. And, you know, people have said to me, because I have another little part-time job now, and that's because yeah. I like to keep yeah. busy. Yeah. I, because one of the things I've found in life... And I don't know if this is a message to other people, but sometimes you're not busy enough and that's why depression comes. Yeah. Because you don't feel worthy. Absolutely. I don't need to feel like I'm everyone's gift, but I feel like I want to give. Yeah. And I feel... It's that connection. Yes. We all need connection and of I some type feel, in our life. I feel so happy when I see people achieving and if it's been one little sentence or one little word or one little book I've borrowed, lent them or, yeah. you know, some advice, I just feel like I've, um, yeah, I've done what I was here for yeah absolutely and that's why the cancer thing has been i've been quite open of sharing it and yeah. and my mental health issues yeah because um i feel like hoped very well in yeah. the beginning with the cancer diagnosis sketchless <laughs> but you know i was scared but i knew i had to to pull myself together yeah. but yes then i didn't do the balance thing i got the balance wrong and i 
I gave so much to the cafe to get that up and running that I forgot about myself. Yeah. So I've relearned and yeah. I've rebalanced. And, and you've learned it a hell of a lot quicker. Yes. Too. And at my new job, I've quite openly said over the counter, they asked me, well, why are you here? Why are you at the news agency? And I said, "It's I'm here for my mental health. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because I'm proud of... Um, overcoming that yeah and teaching my kids to overcome it and to be honest about it yeah and you know to talk and say uh, like with Amelia that I have anxiety yeah I live with it every day she has anxiety I I never felt I had anxiety but I didn't I felt I had more depression but lately during after cancer I've had some anxious Yep. more anxious stuff yep. going on. Yep. But and there's so much healing in just saying it out loud and saying oh. it to someone. I'm struggling. I'm not mentally well. There's yeah. healing and there's power in yes. that. Yes, taking ownership of it. And that's another reason why I posted that on Facebook as well, yes. which I think is probably what you read. Because, um, you know, this bright, happy face is... is um, It's not fake because <laughs> I'm, I'm happy a lot of the time. But sometimes you learn to just pretend yeah, to protect absolutely. people. And I've spent probably 12 months pretending. And that's yeah. why I decided to put the cafe on the market. And I went in and told my staff and started crying <laughs> because I felt I was letting them down. Yeah. You see, I, f- I knew what I needed to do for me. But the feeling of letting them down and what about if they lose their job and what about, you know, was yeah. the guilt I took on from that was really hard. Yeah. So I started to cry. And all those emotions that I'd bottled up came out yeah. and three weeks of crying I couldn't even I really didn't go out much I yeah. just hibernated because I felt so drained yeah I was empty yeah more than empty yeah. you know and um it took a little while to start to replenish that yeah. um but it gave me time to think about yeah. where I was going next yeah. I guess yeah so yeah, yeah. and I, I feel like a different person yeah I'm back to almost almost the pre-cancer Janine. Oh, she's coming back. I think so. She's yeah, coming out. I feel you better really good. Look I've... out at some of those pubs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be on the bar for sure. Yeah. And I'd like to take the spoons from their kitchen. There might be a new do. Matt. There might be Matt the second. <laughs> <laughs> and if there was one message from today's podcast that you'd like people to take away from today, what would it be, Janine? Because you've shared so many fantastic oh, messages already. Goodness, I know. Sometimes I talk too much. No, oh, no, it's... that's a problem. I don't know. I just think. Um, be self-aware, yeah. I think, and look after yourself because yeah. when the chips are down, um, you know, no one else can literally look after you or Absolutely. find your happiness. Absolutely. And no matter how many professionals you go see or people you speak to, unless you want to take that step forward and yes. get better, it won't happen. No, it won't happen. So if you feel... Um, that you can't make that step on your own. Find yeah. someone, yeah. you know, that um, I'm happy for you to come and help you. As you know, I picked my <laughs> friend up. But, you know, find somebody that yeah. can get you to that next stage, yeah. I guess. But Absolutely. But be, be aware. Be aware of your body. Be aware of changes yeah. in your body. Um, and be aware of what gives you joy and makes yeah. you happy from the inside out. Because yeah. truly deep down you do know. Oh, yeah. We all know. Everybody we knows. Know but down. a lot of people put themselves last. Yep. And, um, yeah, they, I don't know, they just don't feel that they um, deserve it, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So, yeah, and I'd like to say thank you to all the people that helped me along the way. Yeah. And uh, a big thank you to you because those points in my life were turning points. But if I didn't get the right help, this is the other thing, don't settle for the wrong help. Yeah. Because along the way, um, you know, I've, there are some people I haven't connected with that I've gone to speak to yeah. for different things. 
you need to move on. Yeah. I actually, because I've been to see psychologists myself in the past, yeah. you can tell in the f- first session, yes. I believe, if yeah. you're going to get somewhere or not. Yeah. Um, you can feel that connection. You know it's there. If you don't feel it no. and you're not getting results, I always say to my clients, if you don't feel better after the first session, then yes. we'll feel some kind of relief, then yeah. I'm perhaps not the right one. You, you should know that first yes. session. Yeah. If, you, if you're seeking help, you should, in my mind, I feel experience that relief. Yeah. I feel exactly the same. I think um, even with the treatment and stuff I had during cancer, you know, I I didn't connect with my oncologist first. So I've sourced out a new oncologist. Yeah. Because you have to trust who you're putting. Absolutely. You know, your life in their hands. And you've got to feel comfortable and you've got to feel connected. Yeah, absolutely. So, yes, love love those that are around you and spend time with the people that make you happy. And Marie Kondo your life. You've Marie Kondoed your life. Yes, I have. I have. Whatever... Doesn't give me joy. I have it's moved out. on from. Yeah, <laughs> and I I love it. It's good. We're starting to really really repair. It's nice. <laughs> and in closing today, we hear the words of Janine's daughter Kiara. I describe my mum as the kindest soul, most wonderful listening ear best all-round advice giver and altogether boss lady but in saying that two of the biggest words I'd use to describe her are strong and resilient through all the things life has thrown her way she stayed as strong as she possibly could in that given moment she's also found some way to bounce back from all the curved balls life has thrown her way She's taken on much more than most people throughout her life, from things like relays to sporting committees, whilst riding the wave of health scare and issues, all while being the most incredible mother, wife, we as a family could ask for. And if it, that isn't the definition of a strong boss lady, then I don't know what is. I'm so incredibly thankful to have been brought up by such a kind and loving soul. They say a person is only as good as the peace, light and love they radiate and they must and that must mean that my mum is pretty bloody good. Oh. I love that from Kiara. And I, I feel a bit bad because I did say to Kiara when I chased up her message, no pressure, but I am looking for a good closing statement and boy did she deliver. I'm sorry, Kiara, I didn't mean to put that much pressure on you. But um, Janine and I had to reschedule our first sitting for this podcast after Janine lost her voice for our first scheduled date, which um, obviously would not have been as good as it was today. But I'm so pleased we could make today happen today. Janine, I know you had to shuffle some big commitments to be here. Um, But it's just such a beautiful story of true resilience and strength and such a beautiful summary for an inspiring story. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Like I said before, I just feel honoured and I'm so happy to share my journey with everyone. Thank you. Thank you.